The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me jay harris that you won't want to miss playing dirty sports scandals each week i'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever i'm talking marcus dixon olympic gymnastics kane velasquez salacious super bowl level scandals Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid. You also could be listening to this on the SportsGrid Fantasy Football Podcast feed. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined by Michael Leone and Christopher Pacheco. In this episode of the Daily Roto Hour, we are going to run through the Dynasty startup draft that the Daily Roto crew is uh, going through right now. We're also going to talk a little bit of NFL draft at the tail end of the show. Leone, how do you feel that uh, that the startup draft is going for you so far? I think it's going okay. I don't really know. I made a big trade out of the gate. I had the second pick overall and traded my first and second round picks for uh, mid third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. And then I threw in my 18th, 19th, 20th. So I moved up a ton to the third, fifth, or to the fifth, sixth, seventh. But I obviously dropped back from the first and second to the third and the fourth. So I lost any chance at having elite players, which I think, given the fact that we start so many guys, I think is worth it. And as you like to mock me, I like to do things extreme. I like to have a pretty specific strategy. So I had even offered both sides of that deal to you and Pacheco. That was slightly psychological warfare there. You guys both declined either side of the trade. I did end up getting the preferred side of that I wanted, which is building hopefully a deeper team that's not contingent on one player doing super well, given the fact that we're starting 10 guys, uh, two of which are probably quarterbacks since it's one QB and one super flex. So Pacheco, how do you feel that it's going for you so far? You you at you drew the rap pick, and we also have a third round reversal, which means mm-hmm. that you are now up on the clock, actually on the air. We are at the 
uh, last pick of the third round, first pick of the fourth round. You, uh, you, I assume, have to feel pretty good about your team to start with. I do. I do. I mean, I like Mike's strategy a lot. Um, now that I'm in this spot and I get to select, you know, a couple times, yeah, it looks great. But the first round, I didn't get to pick for a while. So that was actually excruciating. Um, I feel great. I mean, my Caffrey Dak Prescott start is awesome. But, you know, I, I do feel like I, I could have potentially reached for Dak in uh, that spot with my second pick. Uh, I realize it's dynasty. I realize that there's a lot of things going going on that are right for him. Still feel like it's a little bit of a reach, but all in all, feel pretty great about where things are right now. Uh, I feel I feel that the room took it easy on you uh, with letting you get Dak Prescott where he went. So, I thought that was a fine pick. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it was a reach at all. No, I'm saying I'm saying the opposite. I'm saying that the room was kind to him and letting. Yeah, Prescott no. fall down to the last pick of the second yeah. round. I yeah. I considered taking Prescott when I selected at 207, which would have given me Kyler Murray and Dak Prescott to start. But at that point, you, like a, a big part of the gamesmanship in Superflex is finding a quarterback who's going to jump up a tier from what you pay for them in the startup or in the rookie draft or whatever. And uh, like it, it's very hard to compete if you spend a ton of your draft capital on quarterbacks to begin with. And the room is, I don't, I don't believe anyone started quarterback quarterback. Have they Leone? I don't think, I don't have. think so. I can check, which is, I, I, I will say, which is pretty uncommon though. Like most of the time in a draft, you will get at least one person who does it. So going through the rosters right now, we have Leone. You have not drafted a quarterback yet due to your, uh, you know, gung ho strategy. I, I, I don't know what your plan is at quarterback. There, they are the the elite guys are all off the board. Uh, Levitan does not have a quarterback. Peter Overzet doesn't have a quarterback. Amico does not have a quarterback. Lamarca does not have a quarterback. Ricky does not have a quarterback. Uh, and that's it. Everyone else has at least one, but no one has two yet. Which I, this is not usually how superflex drafts go. Normally they are like, um, in the FFPC one that I just did. At this point, like we were getting like Joe Burrow was off the board by the beginning of the fourth round. Like the guys were really starting to go. Yeah, I think the fact that we start so many regular flex balances out a little bit, like it's still closer to a regular super flex two quarterback league than it is to a single quarterback league, like a lot closer. But you have to consider that we're starting minimum two running backs, two receivers, one tight end, and then three traditional flex. So you could start anywhere between eight to nine non-quarterbacks. It's also tight end premium. So I think these things we've done, and we did the setup show with me, you, and Amico, I think have balanced the league out really well. Like I'm super happy with the way we set up this draft. I think it's a ton of fun. The fact that we have the rookie picks in there, not as rookies, but as picks, so we can still do a rookie draft, I think is a lot of fun. But I think that's why you're seeing the quarterback scaled back a little bit because people know if they go quarterback, quarterback, dude, they could get killed on the skill players. Like you can make up for a deficient super flex spot with some skill player depth because in traditional best ball, you're going to say, oh, I'm going to get a lot of random performances from my bench. Well, when you're starting eight to non non quarterbacks, there's going to be three to four guys that you're probably playing every single week, especially when injuries start, regardless of getting you know, three or four random performances from your bench. Right. And I mean, the a, a very interesting thing I always think about startups is what do you do with running backs? Because obviously you need to start running backs, right? 
Like you, you're just going to have to get some running back points to be competitive. But the, the tiers of running backs at a certain point, like once you get past, like the last guy you view as a workhorse, like how certain are we that Austin Eckler has a ton of future value? How certain mm-hmm. are we that Kenyon Drake has a ton of future value? Like these are guys that we could like realistically argue have loads of 2020 value. Like I think Austin Eckler in redraft single quarterback leagues like in the ffpc main event would not surprise me if austin eckler ends up being a first round draft pick because you know we can we think like oh this guy's gonna get 190 carries he's gonna get 100 targets like those are firmly in the range of outcomes but is that performance gonna be stable year over year and that leads to guys like ezekiel elliott dalvin cook nick chubb some of those guys get drafted really really high even if they're because just because you can tell yourself they're going to be starting three years from yeah. now, almost for sure. That's where my strategy hurt a little bit because I would have liked to do like the hybrid zero running back where you get your anchor and then you sort of piece together the talent, a draft, a bunch of running backs and you'll get usable performances. Nothing great. Mm-hmm. Um, that And that was also one of the reasons why I made it a two running back minimum league. I'm in another league that does min one but i like min two because of the strategy that involves there and it keeps that running back value a little bit higher so everyone can't yeah. just go bonkers on receivers and i was faced with miles sanders versus aj brown was a really difficult choice for me and it was pretty much a coin flip i ended up going aj brown because at, at the core of generally how i draft and my philosophy it's that I don't want to build around a running back. I'd rather build mm-hmm. around a receiver, but that was a really difficult choice for me. Did you have any thoughts, Pacheco? So you drafted first overall. Um, yeah. Did you did you have any thoughts of taking Mahomes, taking Lamar, or trying to trade back? Like McCaffrey, you know, we all agree he is the number one player in fantasy. Yeah. He yeah. scored he scored what 120 points more than every other running back last year. Like it was it wasn't even close how valuable he was. But it's just the the position he plays has so much attrition. Did you think about that at all? Um, no. No, I, I can say with honesty, I didn't. Maybe it's just the player that we're talking about and the confidence I have in him, not just for this season, but for seasons moving forward, that I just felt really confident I could make that pick and, um, and you know, kind of get away with it, per se. I, I would agree with Mike. Typically, I like to build around receivers rather than running backs, so this is very much unlike me. Uh, but given the player that we're talking about, I yeah. didn't really even think about it, to be honest. I'll- I'll preface this with saying everyone's an exception until they're not sort of things, but it does feel like Christian McCaffrey is an exception and you can do the hybrid zero RB build then pretty easily. Like you've got McCaffrey, you're going to use his score every single week. There's if he's healthy, there's not a week you're not using his score. So you just need to piece together three to four running backs that between them give you usable scores and you can do that in, you know, the 10th round or whatever. So, I think you know what you did is fine. Obviously, you're up now. Uh, yeah. You probably want to hit a receiver. I don't know. You can yeah. do what you want. I'm assuming you're at least with one of these two picks at the turn. And we did three-round reversal, which evened things out a little better. I think McCaffrey would have been a huge edge. I still think you know, if I had drawn the first selection and I got to choose my draft slot, which uh, I believe you did, Pacheco, I yeah. Or, or or you were second. Somebody picked twelfth yeah. first because which is what I which is what I would have done with third round reversal. I, I think you want twelve for sure. I think I you. I think I, I I I think I would have taken one. I think McCaffrey's 
that big of an edge. But well, now, so now, I, now that you guys mentioned, it's hard to cut you off, but the Austin Eckler thing is it's hard because I'm here and he's here. <laughs> and like, you know, to David's point, like, you know, what's the guarantee that he's going to hold this amount yeah, of value it's a really moving forward? Position with him. Like, like he, he's kind of like Christian McCaffrey. I think like he's not going to get as many rushing yards, but what, I mean, what we think he catches 70 passes this year, in addition to his rushing, it's just, you don't know if that's also going to happen two years from now. Whereas like McCaffrey, as long as that dude can like literally physically stand, yeah. he is going to be getting 300 touches a year for the Carolina Panthers. So Davis, I, I think I disagree with you a little bit on that, just because there's no Melvin Gordon anymore and the Chargers re-signed him to a four-year contract. So like, I think they're trying to let us know that he's going to be the guy, at least for the foreseeable future, as long as he's healthy. At least that's how I took those news. It wasn't a short-term contract. So I, I'm not saying I'm going to pick him. I, I just think I disagree with you slightly on on that specific point on Eckler. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have, like, I like Austin Eckler. It's just that I yeah. think that as far as running backs go, if you're looking at guys who are really likely year over year to get, like, workhorse roles, it's just not guys that are, are Austin Eckler's size. Like, I think that mm -hmm. the Chargers really like him. Like, and, and, you know, so I have I have no problems with any of that. It's just like... Because I actually considered him where I picked Pacheco, so I yeah. just selected at the three hundred eight. Mm -hmm. And if I, I did a I did a one spot trade back with Ricky Sanders, who also comes on the Daily Roto Hour, and I got a, a a pick swap later in the draft for that. And this player that I wanted to select was Kenny Galladay. I thought there was a, a slight chance that Kenny Galladay might be selected with the pick directly ahead of me. And if I didn't get him, I was actually going to take Eckler over Miles Sanders because I, the way that my team is structured, I'm, I'm planning on being more competitive in year one, as opposed to kicking it a year down the road. And mm -hmm. I think Eckler is going to offer a ton of points over replacement this season that like, I think like it would not surprise me at all if Eckler scored more points than Miles Sanders, Leonard Fournette, Derrick Henry, those kind of guys this year. I think for me, it's just really tough to like, given that I already have McCaffrey in this spot, having to pick another running back without having a receiver or even a tight end in this specific league just seems uh, brutal. So it's like as much as I like Eckler, and I think I'm getting him at a good price right now, um, I am more than likely going to pass on him in these next two picks, which kind of hurts a little bit because I do think it's a good price uh, at this point in the draft. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Also, literally, as we are discussing right now, we realize that <laughs> there are no negatives for interceptions or fumbles in this league, which isn't oh. going to change the calculus for really much of anyone. But I mean, you got it. like Jameis Winston's like a, a great even as a even as a free agent without a team right now. You got to think Jameis Winston going to be a, a pretty valuable pick at this point. Yeah. So 30 interceptions, that would be the equivalent to like throwing seven extra touchdowns. So, um, yeah, I didn't do that on purpose. That was a, that was a commissioner mistake, but uh, the rules were posted for everybody. No one said anything. So uh, that's where we're going to because I just tweaked the defaults. We have some weird bonuses for yardage. Basically, the yardage monsters are going to crush because it's your normal one point every 10 yards until 50. But then it goes to one point every eight yards until like that happens four times and then it's one point every six yards. So the guys who can get like 150 yards are going to 
go absolutely bonkers. And same for quarterbacks. Once they get over 300 yards, it's one point every 15 yards. So the high passing quarterbacks get evened out a little bit with the rushing QBs, uh, with the exception of Lamar, because he runs for so many yards that he gets to take advantage of the rushing yardage bonuses. So going back into the first round, Leone, were you surprised to see Matt LaMarca uh, trade up for Ezekiel Elliott? So I, I selected the sixth overall spot. I was going to take Kyler Murray or Dak Prescott there uh, if I didn't get a trade back. And Dak. I got the, yeah, well, I was good. I have Kyler ranked ahead of Dak, but yeah. had Kyler, I had Kyler gone ahead of me. You know, you never kind of know how these super flex things go. I was I was in a startup draft last week where I picked at 111 and Kyler was gone, Deshaun Watson was gone, Lamar Jackson was gone and Patrick Mahomes were all gone. So they were they were flying off the board, but were you surprised to see Zeke go off at the 106? I don't think the pick was surprising, but that seems like a tough guy to trade up for and use that equity for. Like it, if he's a guy if a he's big stood, trade up right no i don't let me see what the trade i think was. it was a, a 12th round pick turned into a ninth round pick for me for six spots back in the first round now granted i was taking kyler murray regardless so it was yeah. basically a free move for me that was that was a big move i mean it was from the end around mid 13 to early nine that's a pretty big move up um granted you know it's in a spot of the draft that's not nearly as valuable so i think overall it was a fair trade it's just I, I don't know. I If I was the marker, I would have stayed put and hope Zeke fell or someone similar fell. He but you know not, you're getting you know you're getting fed. You know you're getting fed with Zeke for a year, right? Like I just there's already some wear and tear on him. And they it's, already drafted his replacement. Yeah, you, know, you like, said that last year too, and then they signed him to a massive extension. Yeah, but so. they didn't target him in the passing game near as much. His usage was markedly different last year. It, it was different, but I I don't buy this. They drafted his replacement and then gave him this boatload of money that prevented them from signing Byron Jones. Like they didn't draft his replacement. Okay, like, let's call the Cowboys a really smart NFL team. Like that might be a step too. They're far. not smart, and that, uh, they, that's why they signed him to an extension and they're not replacing him. Davis, I have a question for you. Hit me. Um, so Julio Jones, I love Julio Jones. A lot. No, he's um, not a good pick where you are drafting. I, right now. I know that's not what I was going to ask. It's not what I was going to ask. What I was going to ask is given his age, which I think is probably what everyone is concerned about. Is it possible for him to give us, you know, three, at least three more great years? So, so it would be entering. I, age I think the answer to that is yes. Year. Yeah. I, I think that Julio Jones is being underrated by the market right now because he has already kind of transitioned his game from being like the high flying deep threat where he's actually already moved to a lower average depth of target, like playing in the slot, not really reliant on touchdowns. Like Julio Jones is going to be a really good possession wide receiver when he is like 35. And I think that there are a lot of what I mean, okay. It is in the range of outcomes that he will be a good possession wide receiver when he is 35 in a way that I think that is not the case for, you know, a lot of guys who maybe rely more on their athleticism as opposed to their technique. So we will get back to talking about the rest of the Daily Roto uh, quarantine startup fantasy football draft after we go to this break for Davis Maddock, Christopher Pacheco and Michael Leone. We will see you back here in a few minutes. 
Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid TV. My name is Davis Maddock. I'm joined by Michael Leone and Christopher Pacheco. We are running through the Daily Roto Quarantine Dynasty Fantasy Football Draft Startup. We have Christopher Pacheco here on the clock with the uh, final pick of the third round and the first pick of the fourth round. Don't know if we're going to get to bully him into making that selection, but Leone, uh, I want you to expound a little bit on the trade that you made in which you gave up your first and second round picks to load up on the middle rounds, and I want you to explain to me why you think that that it's a winning strategy at equilibrium when I told you that it is not. I Well, a lot of it goes back to what I already said about the depth of starting players in our league. And I think we just start so many guys and in best ball format where you're not setting a starting lineup that it and, and it's tough to visualize, but I've seen it done in another league I was in last year. And at the end of round seven, when I have two more players, three more players than anybody else in the league, I think it'll start to make sense to other people where it probably doesn't at face value. But at the end of round seven, when I have three more people than anybody else does on their roster, 
mm-hmm. and all of those guys are starters because of how deep we go, I think it's going to make sense. So I guess my question about that would be is like, do you ever remember winning a fantasy championship without a high end guy, without having like a guy who just was clearly the best at his position? But I've got a lot of bets for someone to break out and be the high end guy. Cause I mean, so that's certainly true. And you're also, I will, I think the biggest negative, you know, I always talk about optionality. You guys make fun of me. I think you lose a little bit of optionality, not being able to trade that stud if things don't go right. Cause I don't have this stud where I can just trade him for a boatload of picks or, you know, some kind of crazy sell off deal. Cause we do have a one week mid season trading period. So that is the only reason why I was willing to, if you guys would have taken the other side of the deal, like if I would have dealt with Pacheco and I had the one Oh one and one Oh two, I would have taken McCaffrey and probably Barkley. I don't know if I would have taken a McCaffrey and a QB, but I would have had these studs that like I could ship for anything. We saw this in a league where in Davis, where Ryan Hodge had the worst team imaginable, but he had, Kamara, McCaffrey, Mike Evans, Mike Evans, and you know, and then Elliot Chris came in to take over the team, and he was able to actually—he's actually getting the team in shape to rebuild because he was able to move those pieces for so many valuable, you know, long-term future assets. Because everybody wants to stud. If two or three teams are competing, they're going to compete against each other to get that stud from you. So that's the part that—that's the negative of what I did. But I think the positive is going to be seen with the depth that hopefully my team has. And also when there's runs in these middle rounds, you know, I'm in the middle of any run, right? Like I have two picks every round somewhat separated from each other. Yeah, that's so that's definitely true. I think that the point you make about uh, optionality, very true, because if you are, if you are really trying to improve your roster in the middle of the season, like in that, in that break, uh, you know, I just, I just don't know if you're, I don't know if you're going to be able to basically, like, I think that, I think that in that one week trading period, you are much more likely to have to send rookie picks to get a win as opposed to the other way around. Like, I don't like, I, I think that it's going to be hard for you to trade, uh, you know, yeah. who, like Mark Andrews or whatever for some future pieces, as opposed to like things go sour for you. You can trade like Pacheco can trade away Christian McCaffrey for four first round picks if he needs to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So we'll see how it turns out. I'm like really dying on Pacheco to make these two picks. He's up. I think I know what I want to do after his two picks. I don't think he can mess with what I want to do too much, but I have one decision that I think is really difficult and I'm interested to get your thoughts on it. Uh, You might make me pick first so that you're not swaying me the direction that you don't want me to go, but we'll see. Pacheco, are you any closer to making these picks at the three, four turn here? I love how before we came on the air, it was your turn to pick and you clearly waited this long. To make the pick and then make me pick on air. It's beautiful, Mike. It's beautiful. Pacheco, I took less time to make my one pick than you. You have back-to-back picks. Yeah, I realize that. (laughs) I realize that. He's not interested, dude. There's so, no clear there's no clear New England Patriot for him to select here, so he doesn't <laughs> want to do it. But yeah, so and then I think your your idea of both sides of the trade being negative expected value, I think is wrong, but I get what you're saying. What you're saying is So I don't think that both sides both- 
I don't think that both sides of the trade that you offered are negative expected value. I think that neither of them are plus EV at equilibrium. I think both of them are far enough away from what the average roster in the league is going to be that if you get average luck with injuries, average luck with picks, average luck with breakouts, it's unlikely to result in a winning roster. Now, if you get, I, I will say the side of the trade that you took, if you get above average luck with the trade that you did, I think you're much more likely to have a winning roster because that team is going to have a ton of depth, but it's probably like, it's just not going to have a superstar. If you get, one or more superstar seasons at like very cheap prices with that good depth, then I think you're very likely to have maybe a chance, like a, a championship roster. Yeah. I think the argument against it then would be the team that's loading up early with studs. Isn't going to have the requisite depth and the team that's in my position isn't going to have the requisite strength up top, the requisite studs, which I don't know. I, I think they're both interesting you know, as far as startups go, I think it's okay to like be building differently than other teams are. And I think it helps you. I, I've always felt with drafting, you know, if you have a macro strategy, there's going to be some players and some ability for you to do things that have more value to what you're doing than what everyone else is doing because you have sort of this focus strategy. I know if that makes sense, but you know, it's kind of like, uh, zero running back, right? These running backs who people individually think are trash, these backup running backs and these, you know, pass catching running backs, these satellite backs, you know, within that macro strategy of zero RB, you're eking out a lot more value out of those backs than anyone else would. And that's part of the strategy. So you are able to squeeze more value out of something than the rest of the field. And then it's plus EV as a result of your macro strategy. So I do think like some sort of, you know, conscious building, uh, approach helps you like recoup some of that value. So, uh, like I said, like if runs happen, I have some options here, although I think I might be taking a QB here, even though I can stop QB runs. That's what's torturing me. And I'm just waiting for Pacheco to pick here. He's already got a QB. I don't know if he's going to go to this early. It's hard to say. No, but I'm not, I'm not going to go, uh, with a second QB here would be my guess. So I think another interesting wrinkle here is how is the league going to start viewing the falling dominoes of the rookie picks? So we had the first overall rookie pick selected at the 18th overall selection, which is the 206. That's going to be Jonathan Taylor to Peter Overzet, you know, when the NFL draft happens and our rookie draft happens. Where do we think that Burrow is going to go? And then what do we think the gap is from Burrow to the third rookie pick? Like, are our first round rookie picks still going to be available, you think, in the sixth, seventh, eighth round, Leone? I don't know. That, I mean, that's my decision right now is there's a quarterback I like more than Burrow. If I didn't, you know, the 102 would be an easy pick for me where I can take Burrow or for some reason Swift ends up in a great landing spot and quarterbacks fall further. Well, in Swift the draft might get drafted think. ahead of Jonathan Taylor. That could happen. Yeah. So there's some like if you take the 102, right? I can see what happens with QBs in our draft and that can either become Burrow or it can become Swift. Or you got, it can you become got some optionality. Trade down. So I'm tough, but I'm having a tough time because I think Baker is definitely a better pick than Burrow. And the market doesn't really see it that way. If I agreed with the market, I think taking the 102 with my next pick is easy, uh, assuming Pacheco doesn't take it. But 
because I value Baker over Burrow, I don't know. I'm I'm really struggling with that one. Uh, I, mean, I, I think I like I like Baker ten spots better than Burrow. I, like I think Baker is so much better. Yeah, that that's what I think too. But to answer your question, I think 107 isn't going to make it through the sixth round. I think 107 is gone by the end of the sixth. Yeah. And I mean, I think there's also probably going to be some pretty big discounts on the second round rookie picks too. Like, I, I just think that at a certain, like it's uh it's just a lot harder to build your roster and, and figure things out when you don't know exactly who is going to be there. Like, it, like if, uh, McCole, or if, uh, Jerry Judy and CD lamb were in this draft, it's very different than if the 105 or the 106 was in the draft, just because that extra element of uncertainty, I think, I think it, I think it offers a discount, and I greatly prefer doing startup drafts this way. I think it, I think that that extra element of strategy is is awesome, and I think it, that whole other layer is great. Yeah, it's funny because you said it offers a discount when really those picks should be more valuable because you're going to have time to get more information, information. because because it's going to come after the NFL draft and you can also trade those picks, you know, come NFL draft time. So I feel like they're way undervalued, uh, but I haven't pulled the trigger on one yet. So maybe I'm not putting you know, my money where my mouth is there. So it, it'll be interesting. That's another thing with having so many picks coming up. You know, I have two. You know, I took my two picks in the third round, but I have two picks the next four rounds. It's going to be easier for me to to bite on some rookie picks, I think, than it might be for some other people. All right, can we get it? Can we get a pick, Pacheco? Are we ready for a pick? I picked my next one already. Whoa! So we have we have a live selection here on DRTV. Where is Pacheco it? takes Julio Jones, which I think is fine. I I really do. He does. I, take he, Julio. He's going for it. I mean. I, if you take McCaffrey and you get that edge, I think already, you got to go for it. Yeah. You're, yeah. McCaffrey's not a seven year building block because no running back is. So yeah. uh, I respect going for it. I do. It's, it's so funny that some of those picks, like every draft you do, there's picks that signal like, I'm going for it. Or like, so mm-hmm. for example, whoever takes um, Burrow in this or whoever takes like the 104, the 105, those are going to be picks that signal like, okay, I'm willing to build on this for a few years. Whereas like there are going to be some teams that don't take rookie picks at all. And those teams are going to be teams that are very likely to compete this year. So uh, walk, walk us through the selection of Julio Jones, Pacheco. Well, it's definitely a, uh, you know, once I sell like McCaffrey, I'm going for it right now type of thing, which me and Mike had spoken about um, before the draft even began, and I selected first. Um, you kind of just have to make a decision whether you want to win now or you're building towards the future. And at 1.01, if you select McCaffrey, I mean, you kind of just boxed into that. Um, you know, I know Julio is definitely getting up there in age, uh, and I know he's probably going to stop being a freak at some point. But for right now, um, I think that he's probably going to give us a couple – really really good seasons um it's risky because of the age factor and it's a dynasty league but i honestly feel really good about where i'm getting him um so i I feel really good about the pick all all in all yeah and and i so i think that like as i just mentioned before we went to the break like i think the idea that julio jones is going to be good this year and then useless 3 years from now like i i don't think that's true i think that he has the ability to play like i mean 
like what Larry Fitzgerald's still playing, right? Like I like is it would it be impossible for Julio Jones to run seven yard slants at like the age of thirty four? I I don't think so. And the the other thing too, uh, Davis is in this spot where I'm at. There's a lot of good guys, uh, you know, a lot of good guys with strong profiles, but there's guys here that are really shaky, and we've already talked about it on the show as far as what what's their future looks like like someone like Leonard Fournette who's uh you know age 26 uh, at this point I mean that, see it, that, that's but that's what's interesting ahead, though ahead, like Fournette Eckler like those guys all of a sudden seem like yeah. more valuable to you because they're starting prime running back like those guys are oh. way yeah past I would take I, if I was Pacheco right here I take I smash Eckler I think I think so because Eckler's like the present value of Fournette with more long-term, like likely lasts longer. Like that, that type of build becomes more appealing for you, I would assume. Maybe okay. Now maybe taking a Julio. Maybe Fournette was a bad example to what I'm trying to talk about. But but some it's of like, the receivers, well, some like Ridley, yeah. like Ridley, like why not take Ridley? I think is a good example um, of what you're saying. Yeah, I, I just think. I think there's some guys here that I, I definitely don't feel as good as when when I pick Julio Jones. I feel significantly better when I have him because there's there's a safety component to him and the type of, pro- of production that that he gives you year in and year out. And I still think that he can hold that type of production for at least the next you know couple of seasons. Like like Chark, Debo Samuel, some of those younger guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's a good. That's a better example. That's a better example. Yeah. Or Devontae Parker, who I really like as well. Yeah. But he kind of falls in that in that same boat too. Chark has been tearing me up, man. Yeah. I feel like there's enough receivers right now that I'm I just know I'm not gonna get them all, but I'm gonna get one of them that I'm which kind of let me towards Andrews and is leaning me towards Mayfield here. But yeah. um but Chark's a perfect example. Like the upside there looks yeah. absurd. And I'll throw it to Davis in a second because I know he loves Chark. But you do have to have some questions about, you know, it was just one year. Do you trust the Jaguars organization? That's, I think you have to have way bigger concerns about, okay, so his quarterback's Gardner Minshew. What's the backup plan if it turns out Gardner isn't very good? Are they going to sign Cam mm-hmm. Newton? Are they going to sign Jameis? Are they going to sign Andy Dalton? Are they going to try and draft someone? You know, what do we think about the fact that we've seen this happen in Jacksonville before? We're like, Marquise Lee has one great year. D.D. Westbrook has a hot run. Keelan Cole has a good run. Chris Conley turned on towards the end of the season for Jacksonville. Like, they have a lot of guys. They're probably also really likely to draft a wide receiver if they don't draft a quarterback because their offensive line is actually pretty solid and their defense has tons of like their defense has blue chippers everywhere. You know, like they have good defensive players. So I think they're I think they're pretty likely to draft one of these young stud wide receivers in a draft class that's full of young stud wide receivers. But so I personally love DJ Shark. I would not be valuing him where he is going right now in Dynasty, which like because the time to buy DJ Shark was last year. The same as like the time to buy and Keel Harry, Andy Isabella, J.J. Arcega Whiteside, like all of these rookie flops, the time to buy them is now, and and as opposed to, you know, taking a wait-and-see approach. So we're going to go ahead and go into our last break, and then we'll be back in a few minutes to wrap up the Daily Roto Hour on SportsGrid TV. 
Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me jay harris that you won't want to miss playing dirty sports scandals each week i'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever i'm talking marcus dixon olympic gymnastics kane velasquez salacious super bowl level scandals Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Hour here on Sports Grid Television. My name is Davis Maddock. I'm joined by Christopher Pacheco and Michael Leone as we are running through our quarantine uh, COVID-19 Dynasty Fantasy Football Startup League. No sports going on. We got to find something to wager on and entertain ourselves. So we started a Dynasty Fantasy Football League. Uh, if you go back into our archives, we have an episode on the settings that we use to start this league. You know, we think that it is the ideal settings for a Dynasty Fantasy Football League. And Christopher Pacheco just selected Julio Jones with the final pick of the third round. He is on the clock with his first pick of the fourth round. Who are we taking, Pacheco? So I just made the pick. I selected Austin Eckler, which gives me two running backs uh, in my first four picks. My first one was Christian McCaffrey. Uh, so far, I really like the core of my team. I know I'm not going to get to pick in forever here. I debated a lot whether I wanted to take a tight end or if I wanted to double down and go with another quarterback, which I'm I'm sure Mike will, will probably get one here uh, coming up shortly. Um these are hard picks, though. I mean, it was hard. It was hard. But ultimately, I felt like having this core 
right now um, made the most sense for me. Yeah, you're balancing a lot here. I think I'm taking Baker. I told you guys I would pick right away. <laughs> I backed out. This is what I do. I just get Pacheco to rush things, and then I uh, take my time myself. So what kills me is I don't know if I want to take the first guy of a run. And like, where do I have Baker relative to Wentz, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow? When I know I've got I mean, more picks coming up. You know, it's, it's better content. It's better content if you take Josh Allen. Like, I need you to I'm know not that. Taking, I, I'm not true. taking Josh Allen here. But the fact that he, that I could take someone out, like, like Fernet's messing with me. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why this will so this will be the lowest by... he goes in startup yeah. drafts across the whole industry. He's not. This might be the only draft all offseason Fournette gets into the fourth round. So, so I hate Fournette's profile. Yeah, uh, you, you know he's already played three years, been used a bunch, taken a lot mm-hmm. of hits, bad team, bad organization. You know, uncertain future. Bad. What's his con- like? It all seems bad, but everyone has not I- received a contract extension. Yeah. If, if I'm doing wisdom of the crowds, even a little bit, ADP, um, you know, anyone's rankings, Rotoviz, player profiler, uh, Davis, I don't know where you have him ranked. You probably have him. I mean, I, even I, even I yeah, have him even, ranked. Even I have him ranked ahead of this spot right here. Right. Yeah. So, th- like, that's what's you know, absolutely killing me right now is the him being on the board. Um, yeah. It's just because for the longest time, I guess oh, I just man. didn't, I just didn't even consider taking for not. It's so yeah. going to happen is Drewby doesn't care about any of this and Leone's mm-hmm. not going to take him and Drewby's just going to snap take him. Easily. <laughs> Drewby loves the wisdom of the crowd, but he already took a couple running backs. So yeah, I mean, like Drewby's gonna look and be like, "This guy's like a plus twenty value," and he's just gonna play him. He's gonna TTP. So you asked me something before, and at the time before this, I didn't care. You said like, "How much does the fact that you're gonna live with this player forever affect your picking?" And for my last pick, it really wasn't consideration. Here, I think that's my tiebreaker. Like. I, I just wouldn't forgive myself if I passed on Baker and he's the stud. I think he turns out to be for years to come for like one year of production from Leonard Fournette where he could get hurt or his team could be terrible and he might not score touchdowns again. So that's ultimately what it comes down to for me. And you know what? If he falls all the way to me in five, I'm up again in, in six picks. Yeah. If he falls, you know, I can make that decision then. So I'm going to take well, I'll Baker. You, I'll tell you I'm not going to take him. And I'm pretty sure Dink isn't going to take him. But Ricky yeah. might take him. Ricky Ricky could take him for sure. Mike, so I, I wanted to ask you, because uh, I know you selected Mark Andrews with with your second pick. What was your, you know, could, could you get me through your reasoning behind that one? Because I, I personally was going to, like, I was going to yeah. potentially select him, but I I wanted, I wanted like a wide receiver, another wide receiver. So I, I don't know. Oh, what are your the thoughts cons- there? The concerns with Andrews are, you know, he ran like God with touchdowns last year. He's not going to do that again. And he did battle some injury issues last year. And taking a tight end with injury issues feels a little bit sketchy. The reason I took him, it's tight end premium. He's young. And I think there's a chance that this Baltimore offense, I mean, when I say he ran like God on touchdowns, the team ran like God last year. Davis and I have talked about this a lot, how they played from the perfect position in every game. And if they have to pass more and they shift their pass run ratio a little bit, I think it could make up for the touchdown regression and then some a little bit with 
they catches. Maybe not and then some because touchdowns are worth so much. But mm-hmm. uh, the yardage bonuses we have, uh, he hits big yardage I mean, yardage he is their days. top wide receiver, right? So, yeah. like, yeah. any sort of regression in game script is going to benefit him a ton. Like, I, yeah. I think it's going to be very good for him. My thinking, Mike, was just that you were going to select a wide receiver because you saw that there was some depth uh, at tight end after you got away from Andrews. And I don't know if you see it the same way, though. I think there are guys that are definitely interesting, but we saw it last year with the O.J. Howard, Hunter Henry's. Well, Henry got hurt. I guess that's not his fault. But like, it's fragile for those tight ends you think are up and coming. And sure. And th- not that many tight ends have very good seasons. Davis, you made this point when you took Kelsey in round two. So I think you actually have some data to back up the yardage of tight ends, like the yardage gap. Oh, Kelsey so, I, so I, I looked this up. I looked this up over the last three seasons combined. So not individual seasons, but combined seasons. There are only 24 tight ends since 2017 who have combined for over a thousand yards and only one tight end has more than 2,900 yards and it's Travis Kelsey with 3,700, but no, like no one else is even close. So like tight ends just don't really get a ton of yards. Like they're very unlikely to get over a hundred yards and like even, even 50 yards is a lot for a tight end, like just kind of the way the position breaks down. And Andrews is, you know, potentially an exception to that because of his big playability from the tight end position. Uh, His yards per catch is really high. Sure. Yeah. So I I I liked the like I liked the Andrew selection. So like I, I thought that was good. If you were to grade my start post trade, get, like just accepted that I made the trade. Baker Brown Andrews. I feel okay about this. I mean, it's kind of what I anticipated. Uh, given so I'm lower than the market on AJ Brown. But like, so if if, if I'm taking that out that's of it, fair. if I'm saying instead of AJ Brown, that's Cortland Sutton, that's Kenny Galladay, whatever. And and I'm just saying I don't actually have the ability to prognosticate between those. I'd say that's about as good of a start as you could have hoped for, given what you did. Like, I think yeah, that all these, of those guys have high potential. These next five picks will be really interesting to see. Like, I don't know, depending on, on how people feel, I probably end up going receiver with the next pick or mm-hmm. a rookie pick. You know. Mike, do you think Baker was going to be off the board here when uh, the pick got back to you? He would not have gotten past me. I would have taken Baker if he was there, okay. which I think Leone knew. Uh, I was pretty sure he was going to go. So this, I was had a difficult time deciding, do I want to jump in on QB on my next pick after they start to go and not start the run? Mm-hmm. But I really felt like I wasn't getting a huge edge, which was whatever receiver I took or if I took the 102 here, whereas... I might get an edge if I take the best QB of the next QB run and I start that run. So I'm kind of hoping we start to see the Daniel Joneses, Josh Allen's, Carson Wentz, uh, you know, Burrow. I hope we start to see those guys go now. And that would help me a lot because I have a lot of extra picks to skill players here. Yeah. So we really have not gotten, we really have not gotten a quarterback run happen yet and i think it's very likely to start soon because Mm -hmm. we are now sitting at uh we have josh allen carson wentz aaron Rodgers. my guess is that after daniel jones goes we get a massive run of 
Matt Ryan, Stafford, Darnold, like, and and then we're going to get some of the old guys starting to go. So we're going to get Breeze off the board. Uh, we're going to get Teddy off the board. Some of those guys are going to go pretty rapidly, I think. Same with Brady, too, I would think. Yeah, Brady. Brady's ADP is very low uh, in this, but obviously that's because for a big part of the for a big part of the offseason, Brady was uh was not even so uh, was not even in there. I want to know your thoughts. Speaking of Brady, because yeah. in our, one of our other leagues, we had a discussion with Drew about how to value age in Dynasty, and his take was the big one was Dak Prescott versus Russell Wilson, which I think most of the market has pretty close. Even the sharp side of the market, I think, might have Dak ahead of Russ, but like not a gargantuan, you know, a pre, like they have them ranked back to back, basically. Um, and Drew's theory is Dak's five years younger. That's basically going to be on average five more years of production. How is Dak not way higher than Russell Wilson? And then you start to think, well, I easily how agree mu- with Dink, by the way. Okay. Yeah. How mu- so how much do you, but part of that's because I think you really hate Seattle. Um, mm-hmm. Part of that, part of I would say in this specific instance, but let's, okay, let's true, assume but- you had them equal though. Let's assume you had them equal present day value, which I know you don't, but let's assume, let's assume it's Dak at 31 and Dak at 26. Okay. What are the value of those? years in the future like you're you're getting you're talking like six plus years down the line so the point that you're getting to especially as it pertains to the two guys we are talking about i think is big because every year that a quarterback gets older the likelihood of them adding rushing statistics is lower and lower i think the market is not pricing that in with russell wilson but this is i think the biggest value with guys who are young specifically at the quarterback position they are just not going to degrade in trade value at all unless they get benched. But like Dak at 29 is going to be worth at minimum a first round rookie pick at 29 as long as he's starting. Doesn't even matter how bad he's yeah. playing. So just having that guy actually as a starting quarterback in a super flex league, just because their currency in super flex leagues, that's what you use to buy other players with is quarterbacks. Yeah. I think that's fair. I do think. As far as it relates to Russ and Dak specifically, you know, Russ is one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game, efficiency-wise, passing, uh, what he's done. And I think as a result, he probably plays more total years in his career than Dak if you were to book a line now. Not from this point, but like of total years. So I don't think the gap between them is five years because their age difference is five. Because I think Russ's longevity is much likely to be larger than Dax based on production that we've seen so far. So just because you think that Russ is like legit hall of fame talent going to play for a long time. And Dak is just kind of more an average NFL quarterback. I I, I think he's better than average, but I see what you're saying. I just, we don't know. We don't know. We don't have as much data to know that for sure. You know, yeah. like if you have this super strong conviction that Dax is good as Russ, then, you know, it's clearly a no brainer because Dax in a better offense and he's younger. But would if it, you would it surprise you, would it surprise you that I do believe that in a super strong conviction? Yeah, it would. Um, I mean, Russ is probably a, I mean, is, I'm not talking, I'm not talking about real of all life. Time. I'm talking about for fantasy. Like I, think I, was, I was talking, I was talking real life, but, but I think real life affects the longevity, which sure. affects yeah, fantasy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that makes sense. I, I think that 
Dak is going to be the Dallas Cowboys quarterback for the next eight years, probably. That to me just seems like the like because so I think a big thing you can see with quarterbacks is like, do they get to the second contract with their team? And once they get to that, like when's the last time you saw a team bail on their quarterback after they got the second contract? Like I like what are the examples of it? I don't know. I mean, maybe it happens more than I did. Maybe Dak it get, did Dak get the contract? He didn't get so it. They, fr- they franchised him and they're mm-hmm. they're working on the negotiation right now. And I think that the outcome is going to be that he is going to get like thirty five million dollars a year over four years, which yeah. is I mean, I think what he deserves to be paid uh, relative to what the quarterback play is in the league. But it's just like but it is like, interesting to think about like a year ago, everyone mm-hmm. was arguing that you can't pay a guy like Dak to be your quarterback. Well, not me, but other people. Well, the, the vast majority, based on his you know, huge regression from when he had that good season, a lot of people were using him as the prototype of the quarterback you don't pay for, as the average and quarterback Dallas that you don't want. Dallas led NFL in yards per play? Yeah, no, for sure. But I'm saying things change a lot in a year. Things That's that's not happening to Russell Wilson, like that value shift. So, so all of that is true, yeah. The, Russell Wilson's value, as long as he is playing in the NFL— is like he will be like as long as Russell Wilson is a starting NFL quarterback, he will be valued as a top ten quarterback in Dynasty. Like Aaron Rodgers is still viewed as like a top twelve quarterback in Dynasty, despite the fact that he hasn't been good in like five years. Like it just at, at a certain point, it just does not matter with those guys because people yeah. just view them that way. Yeah, and I do think quarterbacks an exception with the age where you have a little bit more certainty that Dak's going to play eight years. Whereas if you're looking at age with receivers, yeah, yeah one guy's 22, one guy's 25, but they both might flame out after three years. Like you have no idea. So yeah, the, the range of outcomes, like just like trying to plan for wide receiver stuff, like four years from now, it's like literally who knows? Like you, you just, there's, there's no, like age is definitely useful, but like, I don't think that taking productive 28 year old wide receivers is bad or anything like that. Like Michael Thomas is 27 and uh, he's a first round dynasty pick. And like 27 is prime or past prime for a lot of these guys. Does breeze only playing one year potentially bother you with Michael Thomas? So I think it's like an organization thing where you're like, you just, you just trust inherently the saints are going to figure it out at quarterback because they figure everything out. Yeah, I mean, he was fine with Teddy, right? Like, if I remember. Well, I don't. I don't remember exactly. Like, but I think he didn't score as many touchdowns, maybe with Teddy, but he was mostly fine. Yeah. So, everyone, there we go. That was uh, the first four rounds of our quarantine COVID nineteen dynasty fantasy football startup. We got some live picks on air. Pacheco made sure to select Julio Jones on Austin Eckler, setting himself up, I think, as the early favorite probably to win yeah. the first year in the league. That's a really good team that he has going. Uh, Leone is, of course, you know, just doing his extreme draft strategy because <laughs> he needs something to keep himself entertained, something to do during uh, while well, all just of us wait. are self At the end of round seven, the dots are going to connect for you and you're the gonna... dots are going to connect and we'll see it. And Leone's going to have a bunch of guys that I probably think are overrated and old. And, that I <laughs> and I'll tell Leone his team sucks. So everyone, uh, thank you for watching daily road to television or listening to the sports grid fantasy football podcast. I'm Davis Maddox signing off for Christopher Pacheco and Mike Leone. We will be back soon with more corn, more content for you guys. 
Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me jay harris that you won't want to miss playing dirty sports scandals each week i'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever i'm talking marcus dixon olympic gymnastics kane velasquez salacious super bowl level scandals Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host 
host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.